0: Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile.
1: Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi everyone, Nick here. Earlier this week on The Main Show, you may have heard a short version of a chat that Nature reporter Lissy Gibney had with British actor Rosamund Pike about her taking on a role of Maurice Glodowska-Curie. For this podcast extra, we've got an extended version of that chat. Here's Lizzie.
0: So it has been a little while since we last met. I think it was about two years ago, maybe? Yes, it was
1: 2017.
0: There we are. And uh, so obviously I'm normally a reporter, but I was then, um, well, we met to discuss chemistry and physics and what science was like in the early 20th century. Um, So thank you so much for talking to me again. Yeah, you're
1: welcome in a different context,
0: yeah. Uh, So first of all, tell me a little about the film.
1: So our film, Radioactive, is about to be released in the UK. We're doing a sneak preview on International Women's Day, uh, which is tomorrow as we're having this conversation. And uh, it's called Radioactive. So it's a, it's a biography in a, to a degree about Madame Curie, but it's also a biography of radioactivity as a phenomenon. So it's not a conventional film, as befits an unconventional woman. And... We kind of chart the fallout of this discovery made by uh, Marie and Pierre Curie, and obviously Henri Becquerel was involved as well. So it's a love story, a love story to science and a love story between Marie and Pierre.
0: And how much did you know about Marie before you took
1: on the role? It's very hard to untangle what one knew then and what obviously one knows now, but I think I knew almost nothing. I think I had very vague notions. I don't even think I knew that she'd won two Nobel Prizes. I certainly didn't know that she then had a daughter who also won a Nobel Prize, nor did I know about her reinvention of herself during the First World War and what she did bringing X-ray machines, mobile X-ray units, onto the battlefields. So It's like
0: she had two careers.
1: Yes, and she had this extraordinary life kind of torn apart by grief halfway through. And I think, you know, you see a woman who was notably markedly changed by that loss, as she would be, because I think... Marie and Pierre Curie had a very modern, forward-thinking, unconventional, for the time, marriage. I mean, how often, even now, do you meet a man who says, yes, I want a wife who's my equal, who we're going to collaborate on an intellectual pursuit together. I want her to absolutely fall into step with me, you know, in love, in life, in work. You know, it's very rare, and he was they, have, they had a truly beautiful marriage, I think. It's, for me, it's really the pinnacle. When you find your soulmate and you also pursue the same passion creatively or or scientifically or whatever your, your passion is, I find it a very beautiful thing. And I always think about that moment, how it must have felt that night when they isolated radium for the first time and saw this pinprick of green glowing. And that moment when it's just yours, I kind of find that whole idea intoxicating.
0: Before the rest of the world knew about it. Yes,
1: before the rest of the world knew about it. And then all the ethical dilemmas that come with it, you know, arrive on your doorstep. And that moment where it feels to me like the ultimate all-nighter, which I'm sure many (laughs) scientists relate to, where you just can't stop. You're so on the brink and there it is revealed. And it's that sort of blissful exhaustion of knowing that you've done it. It must be the best feeling in the world, I imagine.
0: And why is it then taking on this role that you wanted to learn more about physics and chemistry? Is it something that an actor usually does?
1: Well, I knew that I couldn't play Marie Curie unless I could have some inkling of what might be going on in her brain outside of the lines of the script. You know, science isn't necessarily, as probably your listeners know, the most visually seductive subject for a film, as are many very interesting pursuits. Thinking is one of the hardest things to convey cinematically. It's not like there's a huge lot of drama in the lead up to their discovery. There's drama afterwards, but the actual having of an idea, having a supposition, all the different things you try before you hit on the right solution, you know, all of that is not essentially cinematic. So we have to create beauty out of it and interest. You know, I have to know the practical application of how they might have measured, how they might have distilled, evaporated done any of the different procedures they did in, in the journey towards isolating these elements, as well as on the spectrometer, you know, exactly what those readings showed and how, when you saw the little graph, that a certain piece of uranium ore had a higher quantity of this unknown element. You know, I had to be able to look at these readings with knowledge and accuracy, because, you know, you're, this, the film camera is in your eyes, they're close-ups, they're, they're seeing the activity of your brain. I had to be able to look like my brain was processing and it's more exciting if your brain is processing accurate information. It's not just thinking about what you're going to have for breakfast. You know, it's it's obviously more enticing and exciting. I also wanted to know the scientific context of when Marie Curie was working. It's very hard for us to imagine that right at the time she was working, x-rays were brand new, for instance. You know, that's crucial that nobody had seen inside the human body until right at that moment. And and it was like the invisible everywhere was being made visible. And I suppose that's what she set out to do too.
0: And many of our listeners are scientists. Is there anything that you learned about the process or the way that science works that, that surprised you? Well,
1: I didn't really surprise me, but I think it might surprise a lot of viewers, you know, that success and discovery is a long, hard, arduous process involving many hours and tough toil particularly, you know, under the conditions that Marie and Pierre were working under. You know, theirs was not this pristine, you know, immaculate laboratory. They had a kind of shoddy lean-to at the side of one of the faculties of the Sorbonne, which had terrible conditions for, for the kind of experiments they were doing. You know, it was overheated in the summer, it was airless, and then in the winter, you know, this t- tremendous draft would blow through. I mean, it was freezing. I mean, it was very hard to keep stable conditions for their experiments, because I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure you want the external conditions to what you're doing to remain fairly constant. Marjan our director was very adamant that we display the arrival of the pitch blend which they ordered from a mine in Austria and quite the quantity what 40 tons of pitch blend might look like arriving on horse and cart and being dumped in the in the yard all those visuals are very important and then how you actually get that to a substance that you can work with Marie Curie grinding it up by sort of serious manual labor I think those are Remarkable to people who see the film for the first time. And what sense did you get of Marie as a person? I had to take my cue from a lot of still photographs, but one thing I noticed is that she rarely stops to pose for a photograph. She looks thoroughly impatient if she's ever asked to stand still, so I thought, okay, this woman is busy, and I took that as my cue. You know, if you see even the photograph of the Solvay conference, you know, and all these men are are standing in sort of perfect formation, and Marie Curie is in the centre, in the front row and she's in conversation with a gentleman either her right or left, I can't remember but by that one detail she sort of renders these other fellas sort of incredibly pompous because suddenly they look like they're just sort of embracing this moment in a very grandiose manner and Marie Curie is just too busy she's got too many interesting things in her mind and she's not going to stop for anything as frivolous as a photograph um, I took her as charmingly eccentric in the most lovely way, direct you know, she, she had things to be done she was unfiltered she had something in her mind, you know, why waste time with flattery or trying to get what you wanted by anything other than the most direct means. So I played her very direct, sometimes rude, but as a sort of not not through d- deliberately wanting to be rude, but just as a function of wanting to get things done. And I saw that she perhaps wasn't the most natural mother, but there's a very nice detail where she... She certainly knows everything about her children, so she measured them a lot, so she sort of treated her experiment. children rather like an experiment. Yeah, so she had you know these notebooks full of measurements of their growing forearm length and neck circumference and head circumference and the, the size of their teeth. and you know all of that was sort of beautifully charted in a very detailed fashion, but that was her way of mothering. You know she, she observed them and so, so, saw if something needed to be slightly altered, like whether they needed feeding <laughs> at some point. Uh, to change the chemical state I suppose <laughs> yeah
0: She's obviously a phenomenal scientist and a pioneer as a woman in science. Sometimes there's some concern about putting her up as a role model in that she was so extraordinary that maybe women going into science today, if they think that's the only model by which women succeed in science, it almost is off-putting. What do you think about that?
1: Well, that's a really interesting question. I'd like to ask you why you think of you know so many male scientists can be named at the drop of a hat and, and how few women spring to mind. Why do you think that is?
0: Throughout history, there's a, there's a thing called... Uh, the Matilda effect we often talk about where you have uh, partners uh, Matthew and Matilda and the uh, the woman gets forgotten they become the sidekick because that's how the story is better written yes but also women just you know didn't Go into the field. I think in Marie Curie's time, I think there was something like one percent of the, of those in her course were women. So it's just going to be a numbers game as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. The maths has to change, you know, and it has to change from little girls. Uh, it's a very interesting point, you know. Is she sort of too fearsomely brilliant to encourage women into the field? You know, we talk about that in the film industry with female directors all the time. That you have to change the sort of brain DNA of little girls, not literal DNA, I'm talking metaphorically here, but, you know, you have to make little girls believe that they can be a director. You have to sort of start building the ego to such a point, you know, and I talk about it with the director of this film, you know, she's, sometimes people accuse her of being bossy. She says, I'm not bossy, I'm just the boss. I'm allowed, that's my, just my job description. But it's, it, is a, it is a very good point. I mean, I, I think there are fewer women going into mathematics right now than there have been for a long time. I I don't know why that is. I'm certainly, you know, I know that the the sort of swathe of children's books about great female scientists has really inspired little girls of my of my son's age, the sort of eight year old and sort of primary school bracket. I mean, I went into my son's school and did a talk on Marie Curie. And made all the, the school hall dark, and used glow sticks to illustrate the discovery. The pop of when polonium blue glow sticks and green glow sticks for radium. The only fear is that the children will go away thinking that Marie Curie invented glow sticks. But, um, <laughs> but the moment of of the awe, the the surprise, the delight, you know. And I'd certainly told the story of this discovery and and what it took, and how you can have an idea and you can make the invisible visible. You know, what did she say? She said something brilliant, like. You know, nothing in life is to be feared; it's only to be understood, and I think it's a sort of it's a very good motto to live by, really.
0: And I think originally you studied English was mm, it, at the university rather than the sciences, but it sounds like you do have something of a of a passion for science now. When your when your sons get old enough to need help with their chemistry homework, do you think
1: I'll be recalling you? <laughs> um, I did have a very strong interest in the periodic table. I, I did love chemistry; that was my favourite scientific subject at school I think I found I don't know I suppose I found some majesty and beauty in its form and in the names and the abbreviations and the sort of efficiency of it I find it a very very beautiful thing it's very very appealing I think I might think that I'd quite like my life to be ordered in such a way as a periodic table you know easily contained and yet you know all these explosive ingredients but they can all be contained in this sort of palatable form um yeah, I do find that appealing. But, I, you know, you, you can never go back on your choices. There's no point in having regrets. At one point when I thought... I, I gave myself a time limit, actually, on um, on acting. It was what I wanted to do more than anything, but I didn't want not to make a living at it. It was my ultimate passion, but I also... I wasn't going to kind of take another job that I didn't value in order to sort of try and keep auditioning. If it wasn't going to work, I was planning to go back to school, retake science A levels and try and do a medical degree. That was be my, yeah, so that was my, wow. that was plan B. And then, and then things took off and, and plan B never happened. But yeah. Ah,
0: so it could, could have all been remember. very different.
1: Yeah, it could, yeah, it could, it could. Yeah, and I could have been helping an actress who wanted to play Marie Curie. Um, but she was, a, she was an amazing person to, to play. And I think, you know, the the really proud making thing is that when people leave the cinema, They say, My God, I had no idea what a woman she was and how much she did and how much she changed the world.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,